This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. TGIF Scoop Podcast faithful. I hope you're having a great holiday weekend. It is Scoop Podcast episode 149. I've got enough on the Wolves, which we'll get to soon, but we waste no time. Let's start with the Twins. It is General Manager Thad Levine. Thad, always appreciate your time. I can do math relatively well because I help my seven-year-old all the time. So 21 and 24, that's 45 games total. How do you see things as we're at the 45-game mark? You know, I, I think our team is still finding its balance. Uh, we got off to a little bit of a, a challenging start relative to Mother Nature, who seems to be rather undefeated this season. Uh, and so, some, as a result, we didn't really necessarily f- find our stride early in the season, but I think May was much better than, than March, April was. I think the team is trending in the right direction, and, and equally as important as we're getting healthy now. So I think we view it as our best baseball is ahead of us. Uh, we've had a challenging schedule so far, but we're certainly not making excuses about that. I think what we've proven over the first two months of the season is that we can play with almost any team. Uh, the realities of that is that we've, we've kind of played to the, to the level of competition often, and uh, we're, we're looking for our team to demonstrate its ability to pull away from some of these teams, and, and we believe that that is on the horizon here. Why do you believe that so strongly? Because I believe in our players. You know, I think we have demonstrated from uh, the experience that they had last year under a pressure-packed environment in the second half of the season. Uh, they played extremely well together. We started to see some of the maturation of some of the younger players married up with the stabilization of, of some of our vet- key veterans on the team. I think that Derek and I have to own the fact that uh, you know, as a front office group, we made a lot of personnel changes to this roster from last year to this. And typically when you do that, it, take, it takes a little while for that group to then gel and, and develop the chemistry necessary to win and win through tough times. So hopefully over the four, course of the first two months, that, that has formulated, uh, and we'll see the fruits of that uh, as we move forward in the season. But then also we're getting players back. Uh, you know, Miguel Sano is going to be activated tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Irvin Santana, Trevor May are on the horizon, as we, as we hope. Uh, Byron Buxton missed a, a, a good portion of the, the season so far. He's now back and playing, you know, and I think you can't underestimate the loss of Jason Castro, uh, the role he was playing on this team. So we've had a lot of kind of civil unrest on this team so far. It's getting a chance to come back to the 25-man roster that we envisioned for this team. We haven't played the full 25-man roster yet, uh, but I think when we do, we're going to really have a chance to make, make some strides in the American League. I suppose another reason to believe that is it's not like the Indians are running away with the division. I mean, you guys are three games under five hundred, yet you're somehow only still, what, a game and a half back of the Indians. You know, and I think we still view them as a, as a premium competitor. So uh, we don't take it lightly that I think there was a point last year that we all said the same thing, and then they seemed to win for about three consecutive weeks without losing a game, or maybe it was even longer than that. So we're... We're cognizant of the fact that we're still in this race right now. We're also aware that from a kind of controlling your own destiny, we still have, we still have 17 games left with the Cleveland Indians. So we mm-hmm. need to demonstrate that we can be competitive with that team when we're playing with them, uh, no different than when we're not playing with them. Uh, but, you know, we're, gonna, we're not going to take it lightly when we're still hanging in this playoff race. We're going to continue to push forward. You mentioned Irvin Santana, Trevor May. We'll get to those two guys in a second. What about Joe Maurer? What is the latest on Joe? Very encouraging news on Joe, uh, making some significant strides. I, you know, we, we are 
aware of and respectful of the history that he's had mm-hmm. with some of these types of issues in the past. So as we would with any player who has any sort of concussion-like symptoms, we're going to take those very seriously, and we want those to dissipate entirely before we ask him to, to re-engage in baseball activities, let alone play in a major league forum. But the good news is that he's tracking very well right now. He's staying at home. Um, he's not going to travel with the team for the short term as we're really focused on his rest and rehabilitation. But he's been engaging in that every, each and every day and showing signs of, of positive, positive development, which is extremely encouraging to us. I mean, Thad, is there, is there a chance even he, he ramps up to baseball activities here in the next five to seven to ten days? I mean, I, you know, it's, it's probably premature to put an exact date on when we expect that to happen. Uh, we're still in the phase of trying to, as best we can, eradicate some of these symptoms. And I think once that's done, uh, especially in light of the fact that it doesn't appear he'll have been separated from the team for too long, we can start moving relatively aggressively. But until that, that time comes, I, I wouldn't want to put a date on it at this time. All right, but is it safe to say this is not any sort of, like, season-ending injury, long-term injury? We have no indication at this point that that, that is the case. If, if anything... I think he's been showing, you know, meaningful progress uh, so far, and you know, almost to the tune of that, we're, we're pleasantly surprised by the progress he's making. Irvin Santana, how are things going on his rehab assignment so far? It, it's kind of the inception of the, the rehab assignment, where he's now getting out in more competitive environments. Pitched at Chattanooga the other night, slated to pitch upcoming again here soon, and you know, the most important thing in these types of processes is that the player comes out reporting that he's feeling well uh, and I think that's been the case now it's a matter of kind of refining some of the, the pitches and building back the velocity and the command of the secondary stuff but uh, we're excited about the prospect of having Irvin Santana rejoin what has now become a strength of this team you know what, what necessarily wasn't the case right out of the, the shoot to start the season but in May I think it's really solidified to be the staff that we had hoped it would be, and uh, we get to add a guy of Irvin Santana's caliber to that in short order here, it's, uh, it's a great position to be in. Yeah, I mean, how does he slide in? I suppose it's a good problem to have, but, I mean, you guys have some really good starting pitching depth. I mean, Aaron Sleegers is probably good enough to be in your rotation right now. There's just not room for him. Maybe Gonsalves as well. Maybe there's some other names as well, but, but I'm telling you, I mean, the depth you guys have with your rotation is pretty darn solid right now. You know, and that was a concerted effort this offseason. It was some things that we really charged our scouts and player development staff to do was to identify means for us to really bolster, call it that next line of defense from a starting pitching standpoint. I think we felt last year we got a little bit exposed when we called down to Rochester and called players up. Uh, we didn't necessarily get the performance that we were hoping to get uh, from guys who we called up. But as you just mentioned, uh, when you're able to call up people of the caliber of Fernando Romero, when you could call on a guy like Aaron Sleggers or Steven Gonzalez or Zach Littell uh, or, you know, potentially upcoming soon Trevor May and Urban Santana. You're, you're just really in such a more fortuitous position, and we know we're going to need extra starters. We know we're not going to get through the rest of the season with the five guys we have in the big leagues. When we have to make those calls down there, and we talk to Stu Clyburn, we talk to Joel Skinner, they, they're giving us, a ranking of guys that they think are capable of coming up rather than just a name that could come up and potentially keep their head above water. That That's going to pay dividends for us moving forward without question. Is a six-man rotation a possibility when Irvin's ready to go? 
You know, we haven't really gone down the path of, of mapping that out just yet. I suppose everything is a possibility. You know, there's there's been some conversation around could everyone benefit from that. Uh, everyone kind of has their own story to tell that I think could lend itself to uh, benefiting from a six-man rotation. Most teams haven't done that for sustained periods of time. And, you know, as we all know in the game, the minute you think you have too much starting pitching, you're, you're usually proven Otherwise, so mm-hmm. uh, in the, we're going to hold our breath and hope that when Irvin comes back, everyone else is still healthy and clicking on all cylinders. If that takes place, we'll make a decision at that time. And then Trevor May, is his velocity just about back to normal? It is, and you know he, he's really been a bright spot in, the, in, in terms of coming out and, and I think really expressing that he's feeling well and feeling a little bit better each time he pitches. I uh, started to really develop uh, some velocity and see some velocity gains as well as command of his secondary pitches. Uh, it's been a long road for, for, for Trevor, but I do believe he's one of those cases that he was so committed at the outset of his injury that he was going to come back from this stronger than he was before he had the injury. And hopefully it proves out to be just that because he's been working tirelessly uh, behind the scenes, and I think it's starting to pay dividends. You know, while we're talking pitchers, I haven't asked you for a while about Pineda. Is there a chance Michael Pineda is in your, I don't know, bullpen rotation come September? I think when we signed Michael Pineda, the vision all along was that he was likely going to need about a 14-month rehab from surgery. 14 months puts him kind of to the latter half of August, beginning of September. Okay. And so while we've always been focused on the contributions he could make in 2019, and we've committed to him, and rightfully so, that we're not going to put that in jeopardy by being too aggressive in 2018, I do think there's a reasonable chance that he comes back towards the tail end of the season in some capacity, and we could do that without putting him in any sort of harm's way. Now, that's barring any setback that he experiences through his rehab process and no indication of any setback so far. He could be a very intriguing weapon for this franchise come season's end heading into 2019. How do you weigh, Thad, you guys in the front office, whether a guy needs a rehab assignment or not? Like, I guess I'm getting at Byron Buxton. So he was out, what was it, like 21 games? You decide not to go rehab assignment with him. Miguel Sano, all 24 games, he goes on a rehab assignment. How do you weigh whether a guy goes on a rehab assignment or doesn't go on a rehab assignment? Our, our over-under is 22 and a half games. <laughs> if you, so obviously I'm joking. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's a case-by-case basis. I, I think we err typically on the side of always sending a guy out on a rehab assignment. I think the conversation around Byron was was a little bit different. Uh, he had been out on a rehab assignment. He actually sustained a secondary injury when Correct. he was out on rehab assignment. Yep, uh, That factored in. I think also factored in that he had been traveling with our team and had been able to engage in some pretty aggressive simulated type games, live batting practice and on-field batting practice. So we felt as if we kind of had the discussion of what do really 4, 8, 12 at-bats in the minor leagues, how much does that change our feelings about him? meaningfully and uh, you know we had some conversation around that and then the last component about Byron which makes him such a unique asset is his ability to, to impact both sides of the game and so I think we felt even if we grew into the offense coming back into form we knew that he was going to help us defensively he was going to help us in center it was going to help us by Max sliding back to the right where we think he's a premium defender there so we were going to help our team in two spots defensively by returning him and then we were comfortable easing him back in offensively. That's how it's played out. But that was the decision with him, and I think it was pretty unique relative to the talent that he brings to the table night in, night out on both sides of the ball. I took my father-in-law and my older son to the game on Monday. We had so much fun watching Eddie Rosario. How much do you enjoy watching Eddie Rosario? 
a lot. He's a uh, he's a fun he's a fun baseball player to watch. He plays the game with an enthusiasm and a confidence, uh, which is it's hard not to be infectious. I think it impacts our big leaguers as as well as it impacts your son, and and I think that's no no small feat. Uh, I feel the fans respond to his his personality on the field, and it's just an, it, the range of ability he has to impact the baseball game is is nothing shy of spectacular. The the big hit that he got in the last 20 minutes of that game showcased so many of his abilities. His, his big hit, his scoring on a shallow fly ball to center field where he almost did a delay sack fly scoring. It was great, yeah. And then he, end, then he ends the game crashing into the wall, making a spectacular catch. I mean, that encapsulates the spectrum of ways that uh, Eddie Rosario can help us win games and help beat the opposition. I think that's extremely endearing to fans, and I think they're starting to really appreciate uh, the value that this guy brings to the table and, and what a great piece of the puzzle it is for this franchise. As we've talked so much about this young core of players, Eddie is central to that conversation, and for the first two months of the season, he's gone to great lengths to make us as competitive as we have been through those first two months. I'll let you go after two more quick points. On the catcher situation, are you going to just roll with Wilson as the number two here for a while? Are you guys open-minded to trading for a catcher? But is Mitch Garver the number one? I mean, I guess there's like three tentacles to the to the catcher equation. But where do things stand at, at the catcher position for you guys right now? Well, lo- losing Jason Castro was a big blow to this this organization without question. You know, he he has served so much more than just being a catcher on this team. I think he's he's partnered with our coaching staff and being part of the, the pitching coach consortium. So losing him was significant, but I think this is what you've groomed Mitch Garver for is for this opportunity. I think Bobby Wilson coming up stabilizes our situation from a, from a defensive veteran leadership standpoint. And so far I think Paul's done a great job in balancing the play of those two guys and matching them up, whether it's with the, the starting pitcher on the other team as to who's best to get, get a chance to contribute offensively or the starting pitcher for our team who is best to, to serve as a, a conciliary in getting the pitcher through the game. But I think so far, so good. We're, we're sensitive to the fact that we, we aspire to add somebody who could only upgrade us, so we're, we're being selective. And the reality is in the game right now, uh, there's not a wealth of surplus of, of starting catchers out there. So in, until we find the right guy, we're going to go with the guys that we have right now. We're very happy with the guys we have right now. And it's a great opportunity for these two guys to step up. And, and I think... One thing that Paul has done masterfully in the last two years is he's created that environment that when an injury happens, it creates an opportunity for the next guy, and the expectation is the next guy's going to step up and perform. And I think both Bobby and Mitch deserve a lot of credit. Uh, First, Paul, for putting them in those positions, and then those two guys for responding when they've been given those opportunities. So we're going to continue to move forward with those two guys manning our catching spot. Where do things stand with Phil Hughes and just how unfortunate is it? I mean, he just, he's gone through so much to get back to the mound. It's just unfortunate that you guys had to DFA him. I agree. You know, I think, I think what's lost maybe for the fans is what goes on behind the scenes for players to come back from injuries. And Phil uh, really applied himself to try to get back not once but twice from an injury and, and from two surgeries, which were quite significant and, and you know, have had an impact on his career. Uh, you never want to be in a position where you're designating a player for assignment, especially one that has meant so much to the franchise. Uh, you know, can't say enough about what Phil did to help this team out and how professional he was in, in the conversations we had towards the tail end of his time with us. So 
Uh, the process is a seven-day process of designation to find him a home. Uh, we are working diligently to exhaust all options on that front, and uh, I guess we have a handful of days left to, to do that. So nothing to report at this time, but uh, we're continuing to work on that on that front. Twins General Manager Thad Levine with lots of good updates. I will say, because I've gotten a lot of questions already here on Friday about Hanley Ramirez, the Red Sox designating Ramirez for assignment. Now, Thad is not going to talk on the record about any player that belongs to another team. So we could have talked generalities. It didn't make sense. But poking around on Friday, even before talking to Thad, not that Thad was going to offer up anything, but poking around, I would not bet on the Twins pursuing Hanley. And you can read between the lines. I mean, the Joe Maurer injury is not a long-term injury. Even if he's still out another 7 to 10 to 14 days, it's not like he's out three months. Logan Morrison is playing better now compared to April. Miguel Sano is back. So where would Hanley Ramirez as fit into the equation. Yes, he can mash lefties. I think he will help somebody. Heck, Terry Francona getting Ramirez back wouldn't be a bad idea. So if you're the Indians, I could see maybe some sort of platoon with Alonzo. You could argue maybe a platoon with Morrison, but there's no sense the Twins are willing to do that. So I would not bet on the Twins going after Hanley Ramirez. So that answers that question, all those questions I got in my Twitter feed on Friday morning. Also on the Twins, they will set their draft board next week. Recall that I had Sean Johnson, the Twins Director of Scouting, on a recent Scoop podcast going back a couple episodes. So if you're curious, if you're a draft geek, a draft nut, I certainly am one of those. Sean was really good on a number of draft fronts just about a week or two ago. The Twins holding the 20th overall pick in the first round. One other Twins note, I checked on how Wander Javier is doing, one of the Twins' top prospects. He underwent season-ending surgery on his non-throwing shoulder, so his left shoulder uh, in the last handful of days, and he's doing well. I mean, all signs point to him having a full recovery. He's out for the season, but this should not be any sort of long-term setback, especially because it's his non-throwing shoulder. All right, let's move on to the Wolves. I think my best bet will be just to play part of my appearance from Friday afternoon's Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad show on 1500 ESPN. I will replay the portion where we talked about Tom Thibodeau. Here it is. Well, do you want some juicy speculation? Of course. Nah, that's okay. I don't think we need Aggregators, it. listen up! <laughs> yeah, hold on. Let's, Aggreg- let the, let's let the aggregators turn their volumes up here. Please I mean, report. Yeah, that's get all the set. issue. Yeah, I mean, the aggregators will be all over this. This is not me reporting. This what? is what we do on this segment, right? The scoop, right? Yeah. We have conversations. Yes, we do. I am told a lot of things. Many of those things I don't run with. But for sake of this segment, something I was given a couple days ago, I will bring this up. You brought it up. I'll give it to you, okay? But again, I really hope that the aggregators don't jump all over this. Because it's not happening. There's a 0% chance of it happening. And I'm not even 100% convinced it is true. It's cat-related. And we'll tell no, you, it's not cat-related. And we'll tell you when we come back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're not going to break. Go ahead. Are you ready for this? Tibbs had his agent sniff around the Detroit job. Hmm. Really? Hmm. Just think about it. Now, again, I have not vetted this out. I just tweeted it. I did have a second person say, hey, I would not be surprised. Now, Kevin Stefanski's dad... Ed Stefanski just yeah. took the big-time job with the Pistons. I don't know what his title is. I can tell you, Ed is not hiring Tom Thibodeau. So it's just it's not happening. But, it, but, but let's just say it's true. Let's just, for sake of yes. this conversation, 
let's let's draw this out a little bit. Let's say it's true, okay? And again, I'm not reporting this. This is just fun scoop segment fodder. But hey, does he see the writing on the wall that in one year from now, with two years remaining on his contract, that there's a good chance? I mean, we've laid out the angst, the uneasiness. I can tell you, by the way, Glenn Taylor again this week rejected my interview request. Now, the system was nice enough to get back to me. And you guys have a very good working relationship in that regard, too. I that think seems so. unusual yeah, to me. Yeah, I mean, we talk, I don't know. I mean, we've talked a lot the last handful of years. I mean, even going back many, many years. I mean, not just me. A few other reporters have that relationship with Glenn. But have you noticed Glenn has not done an interview since the whole Rick Brunson fiasco? Yep. And he'll eventually do interviews again. It's not like he won't do them. Is he trying to figure out? moves to make, do you think? Or do you think he's just being quiet? I think he's trying to figure out how he frames everything publicly. I mean, there has to be embarrassment with the Brunson thing. And all these towns, Tibbs rumors, too. All these rumors, yeah. But at some point, you would think the owner might want to come out and say, hey, Tibbs is my guy. Scott Layden is my guy. Those guys are back. If it wasn't obvious already, those guys are back for the 2018-2019 season. I'm just telling you, though, it's interesting to me that Glenn Taylor is not doing any interviews. Not just me, but his assistant said, hey, he's rejecting all interview requests. What can you tell us about the town's situation as things stand right now? I think the town stuff is overblown. I do. I mean, keep in mind, Towns and Tibbs have the same agent. So there is somebody there to bridge that relationship, Leon Rose. Now, technically, Creative Arts Agency has somebody else do some of the paperwork because you can't represent coaches and players. But Leon Rose is the point person for Creative Arts Agency. He's the main basketball agent. He is there to bridge that relationship. And that Towns photo in the Suns jersey, you know, a lot of people saw that. Was it on Instagram or Twitter? That's from many, many months ago. That's not a recent photo. So, I mean, I, you know, do I think that Towns is upset that they didn't go to him to say, hey, we're letting go Vince LaGarza, one of your good friends, the coach that you are closest to? Yeah, I'm sure Cat was upset by that. But I think he also understands it's a business. Heck, he was just named All-NBA third team. He's in a position now to get a five-year, $188 million extension. Ex- now, he has to make All-NBA again. It, explain that. So well, it, it goes up what he can get because yeah, of the All-NBA? Po- postseason awards, like Defensive Player of the Year, is percentage points. Postseason awards factor into the percentage of the cap you can get in a max contract. Correct. I mean, it's a lot of minutiae for a lot of people listening. Yes. Yeah. I mean, at times it's way over my head. But okay. point is, he can now eat up potentially 30% of the salary cap moving forward, not 25%. But he still has to make an all-NBA team next year, too, by the way. Oh. So they can put language in the contract. He can sign the contract this summer, but I was told by a cap expert that it can revert back to 25% yeah. if he's not all-NBA team next year. But point is, whether it's five years, $188 million, five years, $150 million, He's not turning down that money, so he will be here, and they are not trading him. That was a portion of my appearance on the Mackey and Judd show on Friday afternoon on 1500 ESPN. Yes, the Wolves are not trading Carl Anthony Town. so Uncle Mercy and all the questions I've been getting, I appreciate the fans' passion, but the Wolves are not moving Carl Anthony Towns. You have nothing to worry about in that regard. I actually texted with somebody that is close to Tibbs on Friday, just wondering if Tibbs is feeling any pressure, and I was told no, that Tibbs still feels very secure in his position. But I do think there is a little bit of steam to Leon Rose or somebody at Creative Arts Agency just poking around just to see, hey, would you have some interest 
in Tibbs because, hey, I think anybody that thinks logically that is close to Tibbs just has to wonder with everything out there these last handful of weeks, if there were a potential escape route, why not see if it could come to fruition? But again, I don't see him landing in Detroit. The Pistons are not hiring Tibbs. I'll continue to say I see Tom Thibodeau here next season. Whether he's here a year from now remains to be seen. Undoubtedly, the pressure is on. But hey, he just won 47 games with Jimmy Butler missing 20-plus games and Jeff Teague missing a handful of games. If they can maintain their health next year, they can go from being an 8-seed to a 4-seed to a 3-seed. You know, figure out a way to play a little bit better defense. That is still Tibbs' calling card, even though we haven't really seen it the first two years of him coaching the Wolves. But maybe it comes to fruition in year three. He's got a track record from his time in Chicago, then his time as an assistant coach in a number of spots, including Boston, when they won a championship. Maybe he can get these guys to play a little bit of defense next year, and maybe they can win a playoff series, or who knows? even multiple playoff series. So the final chapter has not been written quite yet on Tibbs. I know a lot of fans are saying, get him the bleep out of here. He did just win 47 games. So I do sense that Glenn Taylor will give him another season, and we'll see how next season plays out. On the draft, I hear that Villanova's Dante DiVincenzo is due in soon for a workout. Now, does he get to pick 20? I can tell you he is Tibbs' type of player. So that is a name to watch. At pick 20, it seems he will stay in the draft. He is a darn near lock to go in the first round, so it doesn't appear that Dante will go back to Villanova. But keep an eye on him working out for the Wolves in the near future. Although, I guess, what eye are you going to keep an eye on? Because the Wolves are one of the few teams that don't announce their draft workout. So it's on guys like me to unearth the information. The Wolves had another draft workout on Friday morning. Reed Travis, former D. LaSalle High School star, Stanford University, although he could graduate transfer if he goes back to college. He was among those working out. So was Nuni Omat. He went to Matamidi High School. He played for Baylor. Also in on Friday, P.J. Washington of Kentucky, George King of Colorado. I have the full list. Give me a second. I had the full list. Where did it go? Shoot. Give me a second. I'm trying to multitask. Cody Martin of Nevada and Alonzo Trier, who I previously mentioned on a different episode of Arizona. So Trier, Washington, Martin, Oma, Travis, and King. I have an update on J.P. Makura of Lakeville North High School in just a second. But first, love for Skull Marketing. Skullmarketing.com online. Skull Marketing keeps the Scoop Podcast going. They are the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast. I am forever grateful. I'm forever indebted to the folks at Skull Marketing. They were started by two former Google employees. They are here to help small businesses compete. So if you're a small business owner in particular, you want to utilize Skull Marketing. If you're a business owner, maybe not a small business, but maybe it's just a regularly sized business, a big business. Heck, Skull Marketing can help you. You can learn all about Skull Marketing, skullmarketing.com. They'll help you in social media management, customer engagement, so many areas. They know how to make Google work for you that I can promise you. So if you're struggling to have your business pop up ahead of other businesses on Google searches, these guys know how to help you. 612-787-SKOLL. 612-787-SKOLL for a free 30-minute consultation. So give them a call. You have nothing to lose. Or if you need more information, 
go to their website. It is skullmarketing.com. Skull Marketing. J.P. McCura of Lakeville North and Xavier met with the Pacers, Bucks, Clippers, and Magic at the Pro Basketball Combine this week in Florida. And he works out this weekend for the San Antonio Spurs. Continuing the theme of updating the status of local players that are NBA draft eligible. Nate Mason unfortunately needs hip surgery, so he won't work out for teams. Former Gophers big man Bakari Konate worked out for the Hornets on Friday. Reggie Lynch, another former Gophers big man, is trying to get in with some teams. He recently signed with agent Mark Fleischer. And Gary Trent Jr., Apple Valley High School, Duke University, had a good workout on Wednesday for the Lakers. He is expected to work out for the Blazers soon. The word is Portland is very impressed with Gary Trent Jr. So keep an eye on the Blazers as we approach the June 21st NBA draft. You know what? I think I'll call it a podcast at about the 28-minute mark. I did scoop podcast episode 148 a couple days ago. A bunch of Vikings notes were in that. Some Gophers notes as well, including a conversation with Gophers Athletics Director Mark Coyle. So instead of going on about some points that I brought up in Scoop Podcast Episode 148 and just continuing to talk here, let's call it a podcast. We got into the Twins and the Wolves, and I think that'll do it for Scoop Podcast Episode 149 on this 25th of May, a Friday late afternoon, early evening. I hope you have a great holiday weekend.